This is the WFG National Title Insider Report, your download on the market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending to keep you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, Richard Barbara, Esquire and Chief Operating Officer at Coral Gables Title in South Florida joins us to share his insight as a hands-on closing agent. Hey, Rich, thanks for joining us. You talk about being an active problem solver. What do you mean by that? Well, to understand the comment, you got to kind of take a step back and and think of the traditional role of the closing agent, you know, which is usually kind of like a shock caller, right? So the parties get into contract, uh, closing agent is selected somehow, right? Once that the file is at the closing agent's office, they pull a title commitment. It's like, hey, you know, we need X, Y, and Z. And uh, the title commitment comes with requirements, as we know. Some requirements are for the seller, some are for the buyer. Um, you know, but and while the closing agent has to make sure the requirements are met, the traditional role does not necessarily contemplate helping one side or the other with their obligations um, quite as much as I think is, is probably necessary, at least in our market, right, or, or in certain markets, um, so that the file gets to the closing table. You know, the, the agent should be an active participant in helping people, you know, achieve, um, you know, satisfying the requirements, whatever they got to do to put the file in position to close. What's the first step when you get that file? I mean, because you never know. I mean, each one of these transactions is different. We all know that. Um, how do you kind of get a feel or read on which direction it's going? You know, look, ordinarily, every file that we are, are lucky enough or blessed enough to receive, we start processing it like any other. And so we don't necessarily assume that there's going to be an issue that's going to require this active involvement um, that I'm describing. But when such an issue presents itself, um, you know, we usually the, the, we the take the first step of assessing, you know, what the issue is. So, you know, a common example here in Miami is, you know, work done without permits or open or expired permits, right? So we come across this all the time. In cash deals, right, or redevelopment deals, or if the the buyer is a savvy investor, that may not matter. It may not matter at all, right? Especially if the house is coming down or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. But when it's end user, what I call an end user transaction, that the buyer's going to live in there, going to move his family in there, and um, and there's a bank, and if there's a bank that's providing conventional financing, then those things become an issue, right? And um, and I often find that that the parties don't really know what to do. You know, uh, you know, Joe Seller, the average seller of real property, doesn't really know how to close a permit, and uh, and and the agent, believe it or not, may not know how to close a permit. And so you know they're not always represented by counsel. And and so the you know the closing agent says, hey guys. You know, open permit kind of throws his hands up in the air. You know, it's got to be resolved prior to closing. That's it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have an agent and the seller scrambling. Um, and that's how files get in trouble. That's how files get delayed. Um, and, and therein lies the rub of trying to be the active problem solver. Because as I explain to people all the time, you know, um, I'm a lawyer, so I know what it's like to work on an hourly basis uh, where time is your friend. So on a real estate file, though, where everybody's working based on a percentage of the purchase price, we are not incentivized 
to keep files alive longer than they need to be. You know, files need to open and close efficiently. And so um, the longer it takes to make whatever the percentage or the fee is going to be on, on a given file, uh, the less valuable the file becomes to the professional. That's a great point. I think that a lot of people don't think about that. So what is your first step when you get in this type of a situation? What do you and your team do at CG Title? Well, the first thing we do is assess the problem, like identify the problem and assess what the problem really means. So if we're using the uh, work done without permits or an open permit, as an example, the issue there becomes, okay, so we have an open permit. That means that at some point there was going to be work done to the property and people got as far as opening a permit. To open a permit, you had to have some plans, right? You had to have some specifications. You had to have all kinds of things in place, which typically means a professional or two, right? So something was going to be done to the property. So it often happens that the seller is not the person or the party that opened the permit that we're now dealing with. Right. And this, that's a whole separate, we we could have a whole separate interview on how that happens. Right. And that somebody dropped the ball on the prior transaction, but sometimes the current seller is not the initiator of the permit, right. Or, or the person that designed the work. So, and sometimes it is right. But in any event, the first thing we have to do is determine how far along the work got was the work done such that we just have to call an inspector and get it inspected and get the permit closed right are we closing the permit that way what if the work was not done at all well then we have to we know what we have to do is cancel the permit uh worst case scenario is that the work is done and the work is done incorrectly right such that if you do call the inspector and he comes back it's not going to pass so the permit's going to remain open right so once we kind of assess the problem and get a full read, take the temperature, as I like to say, in terms of, you know, what, what the issues are, then I think we're in a good position to try and craft a solution, right? Identify what the remedy is. That's the first step, you know, kind of assessing what, what the issue is so we can figure out how to troubleshoot it. And talk about getting into that process, too, because this isn't something where you can just dump this back in the lap of the agent or the the seller or the buyer. Right? I mean, you've got to be involved in this or the chances of this actually closing probably not very good, right? Right. And I'll be honest with you, many closing agents, they do exactly what what we're describing is, is what you don't do. It's they drop it back on the lap of the parties. And here's why, because quite frankly, some closing agents are very busy and guess what? The promulgated rate plus the closing fee, you know, you know, man, it just doesn't always contemplate the the hassle of closing permits. And, And by the way, you know, you and I, our example is one permit could be six permits could be many permits. And so what happens is, and guess what? The parties, they don't want to pay. So the seller, remember sellers, you know, they're looking at their net the whole time. In fact, that's why they signed the contract. The agent brought them because they did the math and they were like, Oh, I'm going to get, you know, $10 out of here. And usually the math is wrong, right? Because they don't really understand closing costs and neither do the agents. Right. And so sometimes, sometimes you have very qualified agents, but sometimes you have new agents or inexperienced agents or poor agents. Right. And so, they're already um, 
at, their numbers are already off. So you have to, to come and start explaining, hey, you want to hire me to resolve this problem? It costs X money. And some agents don't offer that. And some agents are like, listen, this is a seller issue. And you know, you're the agent, you got to figure it out because you're the one that's going to get 3% of the purchase price. And so, and again, sometimes in high volume closing agent practices, that's the way they have to do it. And But I see that as a completely failed opportunity, a missed opportunity to help get the parties to the finish line. Because unfortunately, like I said, particularly in my market, that's how I separate myself. I routinely in my office, we bite off um, more than we're supposed to chew because if a file gets here, you know, it's a, somebody's already baked the cookies. Like I said, they've shown the property, done all the work, <laughs> the, the negotiating this. And I, now I have the file. It's my job. Um, it's my obligation. I feel to do everything I can smother as many grenades as I can to get everybody uh, to the closing table. And I find that more often than not, the parties involved are happy. But, but by the way, that's almost less important than the professionals involved being happy because those are the repeat customers. You know, residential real estate, people buy, sell real property a few times like in their life. So, you know, if you're in this business to get repeat business from a guy who bought like, you know, his, his first home, you know, you're in trouble that, that, you know, he might buy another house in five, 10, 15 years. If, if it was my grandmother, you starve. Cause she bought one house, you know, she got to the United States in 1959. She bought one house. She died there, you know? So it's like the real client base are the real estate professionals, the mortgage professionals, you know, the loan officers, the, the people you're dealing with on the files that when they see you going above and beyond and they see that you have the expertise to solve problems that others in the transactions do not like the problem presents itself. You know, it's one thing to identify the problem. It's very good when you can inspire confidence in people because you identify the problem and you're able to diagnose it and you can tell them, Hey, this is how we fix it. I'm happy to help you do it. Yeah. You're one of the top closers in South Florida. I know you've got a million stories you could share with us, but maybe pick just one where, you know, this has been the case and how you and your team handled it to save the deal. Sure. In Miami-Dade County, we have this phenomenon here. When I say Miami-Dade County, it's, it's a Florida-wide problem, but the issue really happens a lot in Miami-Dade County. And, and it, it's these liens that occur under Chapter 165, Section 100, and they're called 165 liens. And what happens is here, companies will pick up a lot of real estate investors. And so some of there will be violations on certain properties that associate themselves to the name of the seller. So you could have a seller who is selling, let's say a property that's at one, two, three main street. And that property, the seller is affected by a lien that is on another property that is not the subject property in the transaction. Mm. Okay. And it's associated with the seller's name. Okay. Sometimes the sellers still own those other, the encumbered properly, let, let's say, and sometimes they do not, which further complicates the problem. But the real issue is that it's, you know, it's usually hard enough when you get a lien that has like something popping up on the current property that you're closing. It's already hard enough to line that up and get it all resolved in time to close on that transaction, given the timelines of the, of the contract involved there. It's even more difficult when the lien is affecting a property that is not 
the subject of the current transaction because the seller has less urgency. There's typically no issue and they don't believe you, right? Like they don't follow. So first you have to go through this process of educating people on the existence of this, this hybrid hassle lean. I call them hassle leans. And then once you get it through their thick skulls, because every agent, by the way, they're relatively new. So all the agents, I've been doing this 30 years. I've never heard of this. It's like, well, what can I tell you? I've been, you know, you're in luck. I've been doing it for five minutes. Okay. But I ran across <laughs> it. So, so let me help you learn. Right. And so the problem is that we had this one deal where it was in one of these sellers that, that had recently come into the market and they recently picked up a bunch of these properties in foreclosures and they're, they were unfamiliar. In fact, their offices are out of state. So they're unfamiliar with these one, six, five liens and how they work. And they were the seller on a transaction here. And the buyer in our deal was recently widowed, you know, nice lady, um, you know, obviously using some of the, the proceeds from this devastating life event to buy this, what was going to be her new home and, you know, her adjustment. And so, you know, obviously emotions are already high. Okay. So, you know, she has no idea, okay. How to, what, what this means. So and when I say what this means, when all of a sudden my office, the processor's calling her and saying, Hey, you know, we've identified this little issue, um, involving your seller and it kind of, you know, could impact your property. And so we need to work through it, um, you know, before the transaction and, and we're working with the seller. She, she really has no idea what this means to her. All it means is I thought I was moving in by X date. I think I'm being told I'm no longer going to close and move in by X date. And this obviously creates a cascade of other hassles for her. So, you know, life goes from, from already upsetting, understandably so, to like now stressful and upsetting. So the seller on the other end, you're trying to educate a guy who's out of state on this problem. And so ordinarily, um, you might have a closing agent that would just say, listen, these are the issues. You got to resolve it. It's, it's on a property. It's not even the property I'm dealing with. So I'm even less able to help you. Um, and so, you know, you guys just kind of figure it out. And if not, obviously the property can't close. And on sellers like that, that are not individuals, it's very easy for the transaction to have died, right? Because they're businesses. So they, they regroup, they take a second, they figure it out. Maybe they move another one to, you know, to sell first, whatever, whatever their issue is. But it's not, it's not an even playing field when you have an institutional seller or corporate seller and this, you know, human being buyer on the other side. So this is one of these, these moments where despite the hassle, we knew it was going to be and on a relatively small transaction. Okay. Have you ever had a croquette, Brian? Yeah, it's been a while, but I've had one. Yeah. Okay. You've had one. So I don't know how many of your listeners have ever had a croquette, but it's like, uh, you know, like the Cuban fried cheese stick. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and we, and you can get them at every corner. Okay. So, so down here in Miami, I joke that we have Cuban bakeries and then we have French bakeries, right? And the title world here is the Cuban bakery of the real estate business. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Cuban bakeries are incredibly inexpensive. So for five bucks, you can eat like a king in a Cuban bakery. I'm talking about four pieces of bread, croquettes, empanadas, you name it, coffee, you know, bottled water, five bucks take you a long way in a Cuban bakery. You walk into a French bakery, five bucks won't even buy you like a croissant wrapper, <laughs> right? So if you walk into a Cuban bakery, you say, hi, you know, you say to the lady, corazón, which is my heart, 
Corazon, five bucks, you have food. Lady comes back with a tray of food. You walk into a French bakery, five bucks, lady shows you the door. Okay, so the closing agent is like the Cuban bakery. Okay, promulgated rates and the market for closing fees, you know, on like a $222,000 transaction. I mean, you got to close a lot of files, you know, to make money in this business. And so I routinely tell people it's like selling croquettes. Okay, I got to sell a lot of croquettes. So this is one where it was a loss all day long. There's no way to smother the grenade, help this seller, help this lady bridge the gap and, and make money on that deal. There's no way, but you know what? There's a relationship to be had. There's a story to be told and there's the right thing to do. So I picked up the phone myself and I called the seller. And why do I say myself? Because I have the best staff in the world and given the number of files that we close, I'll be honest with you. I don't get on the phone in every transaction. In fact, I run into an agent on the street, a real estate agent that sends me his files and he's like, Hey man, we got a file closing you know, on Thursday. And he sees like a blank expression in my face. And I see the disappointment in his face. He's like, Oh, you didn't know we had a file closing. And I'm like, my friend, you know what that means? That means your file's in great shape. Yeah. Okay. If I become aware of your file, your file, your file's suffering. Okay. You don't want me to have anything to do with your file. <laughs> right. So if you're only working with the people in my office, that means your file is actually going to close. You're going to pick up a check and make money. Everything's great. If I'm dealing with your file, the file is in trouble. The file's having like a mayday call. Right. So you know, that, that was one of these moments where I picked up the phone. I called the seller. I said, listen, my friend, I understand that you don't understand. Let me tell you what that means. Absolutely nothing. Okay. That you've never heard of it before that in Kentucky, it's different. I'm not interested in any of that. What I am interested in is helping you close. You want to know why? Because if the file dies, you're not going to call me and say, Hey man, I know your office put in some time. Do I owe you any money? And by the way, neither is the buyer. So, and, and let me, and, and the guy's name is, is, well, we'll call him Stan. It's not really his name, but for purposes of our story. And by the way, Stan, even if you let me help you, I'm still going to lose on this file. It's just a difference between lose and lose huge. You don't know why? Cause it take me time, but am I going to build to you? I just want to help this lady close. I want to help you sell because I, ha- I understand that you have a bunch more of these properties. He goes, I sure do. And I go, that's right. So you're going to need, once you get it through your head, that this is going to happen to you every time until you solve this problem. Then you're going to say, wow, I need a guy to solve this problem. And maybe you'll use me. And he kind of giggled. He goes, oh, maybe. So, you know, long story short is we get the guy to agree. We, we got into a little post-closing agreement. So long story short, I said, listen, you have these 165 liens. They're very simple. The other properties, the work is done. He says, yeah, properties in compliance. He says, yeah, oh, this is easy. All we got to do is request a little mitigation hearing, go down to the county, give them some sob story, tell them how you're the new guy. You're from out of state. You're rehabbing the properties. You're making it beautiful. You know, look, everything is now in compliance. P- please give me a break on the fine. And then I'm going to reduce the fine for you and we can relieve that. And he agreed. And so obviously we put money in escrow that was sufficient to cover the fine such that the buyer's protected, right? Giving us the time to go before the municipality, get that fine reduced so that what's released from escrow to solve the problem is a lot less than what's held. So now the seller, he thinks he won one, right? You know, the the buyer gets their house stress-free, um, you know, and we end up with a relationship with a guy that's got a lot more property to sell. So, um, you know, you got to see past the individual transaction. 
you know, on these things, especially when you're dealing with people. And, and I find that even if you put in more time than you should on a given file, even if that individual file ends up being, you know, less profitable than it should be as a function of you're going the extra mile, you know, the goodwill, the social capital, the relationships that you build as a result, um, you know, in, in my view, they come back tenfold. That's a great story, Rich. We appreciate everything you're doing in the Miami area. Also appreciate you partnering with WFG. Thanks for your business. You guys are the best. It's it's my pleasure. It's an honor to be a WFG agent. Richard Barbara, Esquire and Chief Operating Officer at Coral Gables Title, joining us on the Insider Report. Thanks for downloading this episode, and thank you for partnering with WFG. To learn more about our unique process, systems, and technology, visit wfgagent.com.